Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of This Show is All About You, a show about all the ways in which you and me connect as we and what that means for all of us. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. You can find out more about me at my website, wordsbyjdk.com, and on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look me up by my name, J.D.K. Winnikin, W-Y-N-E-K-E-N, and you should be able to find me. And I am back in studio for episode 29 of this show for July 26, 2021. Literally have just rolled in from my road trip, (laughs) came right back to the studio. And uh, today's show title is uh, Our Best Idea. And I'll explain what I mean by that in just a minute. Our Best Idea. And it has to do with what I've been doing for about the last week or so. And uh, it is good to be back. I had a, a really, really great trip out on the road. Uh, if you if you caught the show last week, you heard about my visit to uh, the Japanese internment camp in Minidoka, Idaho. And that uh, was a pretty powerful uh, experience for me and shared a lot about that last week. Well, uh, a lot of powerful things continued in, in the week since. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that today. And uh, since last week when I was gone, uh, Stacy Heller was kind enough to be in studio and facilitate a conversation with me via the phone. I asked her to come back again this week in studio to join me again. Hi, Stacy. Don't ask me to talk. <laughs> well, I've done that <laughs> twice now in the past week. Oh, my gosh. It's my favorite. And by the way, nice T-shirt. Oh, thank you. I'm wearing a, a Grand Teton National Park uh, shirt that I got when I was there. It's it's kind of a preface a little bit to what we're going to talk about. Did you get me today. anything? Uh, I did, actually. You did? I did. I just haven't. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Oh, my gosh. Uh, just a little, just a little thing. I'll give it to you. Dirt or something? Uh, no, no. Actually, no, I would like that, though. Dirt? You're not supposed to take dirt from national parks. Really? Yeah. Didn't you know that? Everything in there, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to leave there. Well, I mean, <laughs> I haven't a, been to any. I've only been to one. You've only been to one? Which one? Uh, that one. The one that has arches. Oh, okay. I think that's Arches. Yeah, that one. I think you haven't been to Olympic National Park or Rainier National Park? Well, if I went mountain adjacent, then I was in Rainier, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I went on a on a cloudy day and we were like, we know the mountains around here somewhere. <laughs> well, then that counts. You were in Okay, the park. so that's well, two. The whole point of the national parks is to conserve everything that's there, so you're not right. supposed to take anything out of it. Right. Is it so. bad if I took ash once from a volcano? Uh, I think everybody does that. Okay. So there's more, more, more than enough of that to go around. Cool, anyway, cool. yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for uh for sitting in the studio last week and and facilitating that. It was really, uh, it was really kind of fun to do that. Even though I was broiling out there in Casper, Wyoming, <laughs> it was pretty warm. Uh, but uh, anyway, most everybody who listens to the show knows I I start the show off with a haiku. I, I don't have one today. Um, I guess it's just a it's a result of kind of coming in off of vacation mode and coming right into the studio and then dropping a, dropping a mug and having it break at my feet literally minutes before the show started. So I didn't have time to put one together. So hopefully that's not indicative of anything bad. Maybe it's about um, you need to sometimes also stay quiet for a beat. Ah, that's true. Okay, we can go with that. That's great. But right? there's no haiku this week. First time in 29 episodes. Wow. Um, I'll make up for it next week. Anyway, uh, th- today what I wanted to talk with you about, Stacey, was just kind of following up on last week and talk a little bit about what I've done uh, since then. So uh, 
the the title our best uh, our best idea comes from a, a quote by the the writer Wallace Stegner who called the America's National Parks America's best idea mm. uh, once upon a time and and it's one of his more famous lines and uh, in the week since we talked last uh, had the chance to go through uh, Grand Teton National Park and Yellowstone National Park as well as visit a number of historical sites that were run by the National Park Service and it got me thinking more and more as a tie into last week where we talked about several things, you know, freedom, which is the subject for this month, uh, freedom at somebody else's expense, right? The National Park Service uh, and the national parks, as important as they are, as grand as they are, as wonderful as they are, uh, have a little bit of a checkered history when it comes to uh, their origins. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that, right? Uh, But then also to really talk about it as one of those things I mentioned, like with baseball two weeks ago, with our general history anyway, as this thing that kind of ties us all together, what Abraham Lincoln called those underlying virtues that all Americans should be able to find and agree upon rather than just operate out of a sense of self-interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so I, I think the National Park Service, at least as I, and, you know, as I was driving through them and, and seeing them, kind of struck a similar chord with me. So it's kind of where I wanted to, to follow up uh, with you. So, so you've only been to... Well, one. now that I think of it, I think of, so one, and did some cool, like, um, walk through the river that was, like, there. Where? What, what state are we talking about? We're talking about the one that is in uh, Utah. Oh, at Arches. Yeah, that oh, one. Okay. Um, so did some hikes and that kind of thing. That was really cool. Then, um, not even kidding, went for a drive to Rainier, and we were like, I know it's around here somewhere it and, it, and it was totally fogged in. So that was a bummer. And then as I think about it, I've been to Acadia, right? In, oh, in Maine. In yeah. Maine. I've been there yes. too. So, um, and I was beautiful, um, yeah. much younger, mm-hmm. but that was amazing. Well, and it's, and, and chances are, and this is one of the things I wanted to share is chances are, even if you've only been to a few national parks, like Stacy's talking to, and I haven't been to a ton of them either. Chances are you've been somewhere that the national park service oversees. Yeah. All 50 states have either national parks and or national monuments, national historic sites, things like that, that the National Park Service oversees and runs. So it's true. Like I've been to Washington and to all of the. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. And so a number of the, like in Washington, D.C., a number of the memorials are run by the National Park Service. You know, there, there's, it's, it's now a very wide umbrella that the NPS uh, kind of hangs over when it comes to these things. But there is something about those national parks that kind of got me thinking about it. And, um, you know, I've been to the ones that I know best. I grew up in Hawaii, and so I know I lived very close to Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Uh, and so that place is very close and dear to me. Also been to Yosemite when I lived in California, Acadia. I've been to in Maine, the Olympic and uh, Rainier National Parks out here. And then, of course, there's national monuments like Mount St. Helens. Have you been to Mount St. Helens? I have not. Okay, that's a national volcanic monument, so it fits under the same umbrella. And then Joshua Tree National Monument. I'd like to go there. Yeah. Thank you, you cool. too. Yeah, because everybody wants to go there and take those photos. Or maybe that's just me. <laughs> no, I totally want to go there for that. <laughs> right. Are you kidding? That album was like the album of the summer that I went to Acadia. 1987. I was May 17. I know. Well, we don't want to go off on this tangent because you know me and that band. But um, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, in to me, I was thinking about it unintentionally. This is really funny how this happened. But unintentionally on this trip, that was really to kind of target going to my sister's in Fort Collins for a short period of time, then looping back. 
uh, ended up along some of the great important trails of U.S. history, like of westward expansion. The Oregon Trail was on the California Trail, the Mormon Trail, the Sand Creek Massacre mm-hmm. Trail, uh, and then, of course, the Transcontinental Rail Line, you know, all of those things. These were all things that as we were driving, you could just see the signs for them. And there are all these different locations. And one point stopped at the uh, Oregon Trail wagon rut spot in Wyoming, where you can literally see the ruts that were run through the granite and limestone from everybody moving crazy. west. I know, it was crazy. And going out to Fort Laramie, out in the middle of the Wyoming prairie, uh, where some of the more important treaties, uh, early treaties with Native American nations were signed in the 1850s. Going out to all those places and seeing the brown signs, right, that show yeah. they're either a national park site or a state historical site. Uh, there's plenty of those around here. And it was on one level, it was really encouraging coming off of last week's show, which was really in a lot of ways about Minidoka not having one of those signs, which right, still want to do something about. Got to get on that. Yeah, exactly. But also kind of taking a step back and going, well, what a, what a, I mean, Stegner was right. What a great idea. I mean, some of the best of what we bring forward in America you can find in these historical sites and in these national parks. Can I make a suggestion? Sure. Perhaps one of the things that America is so wonderful at doing, however, is evolving. So maybe our next mm-hmm. best idea is to actually care for these places. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, considering... Uh, I was talking with a friend of mine about how every year Yosemite seems to just get trashed by visitors, you know, and I didn't see too much of that in Teton or Yellowstone, which was nice, but I've been to historical sites before and seen people actively not treating them well. Right. I mean, this isn't a campground. (laughs) Right. Anyway, anyway, Anyway. I'll get off my soapbox. Go on. No, it's, and it's all right because, but part of it too is it depends on how, the history of these places is is told as well. And one of the encouraging things that I saw on this trip is in these various historical places, almost all the interpretive centers that we went into uh, talked openly about the not-so-nice elements, mm-hmm. right? You know, both the Grand Teton and Yellowstone Visitor Center talked about the fact that these areas were conserved, yes, but then the Native American nations that lived there were moved off of that land as part of that conversion of them over to national parks. And they didn't shy away from that. There was, there was discussion of that. At Fort Laramie, there was discussions about how the treaties with the Native American nations in the 1850s didn't last very long mm-hmm. and really kind of got were broken by just a ridiculous event where, <laughs> where uh, a Native American uh, brigand killed a cow. Right. And in the process of trying to arrest him, the military officers that were sent out bungled the whole thing. It turned into this massacre in both directions and oh. suddenly all of those treaties just kind of dissolved. Right? Wow. So, and it didn't shy away from those things. And it was encouraging because in this atmosphere that, we, you know, we've talked about before, uh, where history tends to get used as a weapon, right? People want to, uh, want historical stories that support their own political view or their own social view. It was nice to really see as a hist- from a historian's point of view, some uh, even-handedness and some openness and not necessarily telling people what to do with that information, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, so it was, it's interesting to, it was interesting for me to be in a place of understanding the history of these national parks, generally speaking. And, you know, the not so nice elements of it. And also being really appreciative that these things are still protected, you know. And it was, so it was interestingly interesting for me that I was really hopeful coming off of last week's show. It's kind of like, man... 
Right. What you a were, disappointment. You were like prepared to not like get the real story. Like mm-hmm. it's it's the whole the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Because mm-hmm. there's good, and sometimes there's bad, and and sometimes beyond bad, there's just the ugly. And there's also the beautiful. You know, when you're talking about the land and all of those things, and and they can all exist side by side. We can hold two truths to be self-evident. <laughs> the power of and, I would also say. Well, you know, and, you know, just to give people a little bit of background on this, um, you know, the, the National Park movement, and it really started as a movement. Uh, I don't know if you knew this uh, whole thing, Stacey, so I'm going to put my historian hat on for a minute. I am ready. All right. And there will be no quiz, so oh don't God. worry about that. Right. <laughs> uh, started in the middle of the 19th century with, with, with not only westward expansion and the ideas of manifest destiny, right, that it was America's destiny to spread all the way across the North American continent to the Pacific, that inspired people. But then there was also the transcendentalist movement with writers like Walt Whitman and, and his poems and the rise of romanticism that really saw the power of unfettered wilderness and nature to really feed the soul and to really, for writers like Whitman and others, connect the American experience, the unique American experience to something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? So in that sense, I think in, in some ways I would be a, um, you know, since I, I I really understand where Whitman's coming from now. I remember used to reading reading him when I was younger, going, "Wow, this guy's really just all over the place and really." Is he the pond guy? Uh, or is that Thoreau? I think that's Thoreau. Yeah, yeah. the existentialist. Well, that would be an extension of that. Yeah, and and but for me, uh, the power of nature for me, I have found is is very profound. I can understand exactly what Whitman and and transcendentalists were talking about, but all those things together inspired people like as widely diverse as John Muir and Teddy Roosevelt, <laughs> Ulysses S. Grant to a lesser extent, uh, to really believe that there were areas of the new nation, the growing nation that needed to be protected from development. And so in 1872, under Grant's administration, Yellowstone became the first area to be called a protected land. It wasn't a national park yet, but it was the first one. And uh, the idea was to protect it from loggers, miners, anybody else uh, who was going to exploit all that. Uh, now, as part of that, eventually, the Native American nations that lived there were eventually moved out. But by the 1870s, that was already happening anyway. Grand Teton was added a little bit later, but it's Teddy Roosevelt who's often cited as the one who created the national parks. Mm-hmm. Sort of. <laughs> Yellowstone was already there. But it was Teddy Roosevelt who, moving to North Dakota after the death of his wife uh, in grief, fell in love with the land out there. And there's a there's a national park called Teddy Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota today. And this became something big for him. So he was the first one to create parks as we know them. But then also he created protected bird sanctuaries, wildlife refuges, uh, anything you could think of, a lot of those things. But it wasn't until 1916 when Woodrow Wilson created the National Park Service that all of this became formalized in what we understand it to be today. Mm. And... Uh, and of course, by by the time Yellowstone was being was turned into a protected land, the Transcontinental Railroad had been completed. That was completed three years earlier in 1869, and so suddenly now, increasingly as the decades went by, more people could get access to these far flung places to go explore these places. And so there was this three way tension, I guess, between the Native American nations that were there and being removed and put onto reservations, many of which surround the national parks. And remind me to come back to that. And then between those who wanted to make money off of mining, lumber, uh, animal hides, whatever was out west, 
and those who really wanted to conserve it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is a tension that has existed ever since in a lot of ways. And I drove through that all week. You know, it was interesting. Went through the Shoshone Reservation in uh, east of Grand Teton. And that's a hard place to drive through. Uh, the poverty there is very profound. And, uh, and unlike what we see in a, lot of, in a lot of places, and that's certainly true of other places. Some of them are more well-known than others, Pine Ridge and things like that. Uh, but those legacies are still there. <laughs> and uh, those dynamics are still in play. And that makes that dynamic a very unique American thing. And in the best of its expressions, I saw in the national parks, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the Native American language has been brought back in, mm -hmm. right? What, what are the names of these places? Why are they important? Some areas are more protected from people walking on because they were once considered uh, sacred, sacred or still nice. are. And, uh, and certainly now uh, with, the, with the change in, pre in presidential administrations and uh, the National Park Service being under the authority of the Department of the Interior, which is under, of course, a Native American for the first time in American history. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with all of that taken together. The, the Atlantic magazine a few a month or so ago had a, a feature a title piece about suggesting the idea of giving the national parks back to the Native American nations nearby for them to oversee and to run. Um, who knows whether that will happen or not. But it's interesting to have driven through all of that with all the things you just talked about, the good, the bad, the ugly, mm -hmm. the beauty, right? The stories of the Oregon Trail aren't pretty. The Mormon Trail, the Sand Creek Massacre Trail aren't pretty. And yet, where we are now in this country today, this was an amazing snapshot to get of, of the country. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it covered the gamut of my emotional uh, spectrum. And uh, so it's really kind of something I wanted to kind of really hit on today, kind of coming off of last week's discussion at Minidoka that, you know, we can sit with the history of freedom being protected at other people's expense, right? Taking away theirs in the case of Native Americans or Japanese Americans, like we talked about last week. And alongside that, be really appreciative that we still have these places that are taken care of. And it's an interesting tension to sit with. It's, it is fascinating to me because it feels like, well, I have two thoughts. One, it's like whomever was in charge at the time was doing what they thought was best at the time. I mean, let's face it, you know, by human nature, we're a, like an advantageous, like selfish lot, right? And so, you know, at the time, though, if you didn't know what was going on with the Native Americans or whatever it is, it was like, no, this is going to be great. Look, mm -hmm. we're bringing you blankets, you know, filled mm -hmm. with disease and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, like, who doesn't want to be like us? I right. mean, come on. We are the Joneses. Right. And so there was that. And so that's fascinating to me because all of these things that created such a path of destruction in the name of actually, like, growth mm -hmm. is interesting. And then the other thing that um, I was thinking about as you were talking has flown out of my head completely. No worries. Well, what, what I'm going to say while you try to remember that is what you're getting at is context. Yes. The context of why things happened as they did matters. And we can do that and, and look back and go, ooh, some of that ain't so good, right? That is that is a normal part or should be a normal part of how we understand our history and we shouldn't be afraid of it, as I mentioned last week. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not not to say the fact that Minidoka doesn't have a sign on the freeway has something to do with people being ashamed of it. I don't know the people outside of Twin Falls. Right. At the same time, if there were resistance to that, it would raise a really interesting set of questions. And what I would ask is the same thing I always ask. Why are we so concerned about addressing the ugly parts? Because the ugly parts actually tell us a lot, not just about what happened, but also can challenge us to make sure that as we enjoy the beautiful parts, Mm -hmm. sometimes even the things that come out of those things, right, uh, that we keep it in its proper understanding and its proper context. And, of course, history is supposed to help us make better decisions in the present. Right. It's a touchstone. It is. And it doesn't it's not something that we have to go to war over to necessarily say this position today is right and that one is wrong. Right. In in that sense, um, we we are lacking, generally speaking, at least in our public discourse about all these things. Right. Because there are plenty of people that that we saw on the trip who were who were very clearly excited about all of this and thrilled to be there and also saw people who were trying to point out to others that there was a cost to all of these things. Right. You know. Both are okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Both are well, okay. It's a yes and. Yeah. I thought of the other thing. Yes. Um, it's fascinating as a student, apparently, of yours, to <laughs> oh, learn how early on the conservation piece came. Yeah. You know, given how vast this country is, mm-hmm. that, you know, there was that sense that there needed to be conservation and that, um, you know, whether it was... Roosevelt or Woodrow Wilson or, you know, whomever, this idea that, you know, we're probably going to mess this up. So we should probably set some <laughs> land aside because this is pretty epic. Yeah, it, it does go back. And in fact, it goes back even earlier uh, than, than the mid-19th century. The roots of that are in some of the utopian movements earlier in the 19th century. Uh, but uh, it is great. I mean, it, it's wonderful to remember that. And of course, you know, John Muir is the one everybody remembers well. I would say that Ansel Adams, the famous photographer, did just as much in the sense of the photographs that he took of national parks and other wildlife areas in the country to really inspire people to protect them. Uh, There is something to that. And one of the great things is, as I was thinking about this, driving through the park, uh, one of the great advantages of the United States being being an affluent nation in comparison to the rest of the world is that we can do this. And we have an interstate system now rather than a railroad, mm-hmm. that is what really connects everybody to the national parks. And you can, you can get to one pretty quickly. I was looking at a map of it. And uh, frankly, from Seattle, driving to Yellowstone and Teton is not a long trip. You can do it in a couple of days and be oh. there. It's not a long trip. Uh, Glacier National Park in Montana, which is the next one on my list because I haven't been there, uh, is not very far. 10-hour drive. Olympic and Rainier are close. But wherever you are in the states listening to this, if you looked at a map of national parks as well as National Park Service overseen sites, nature or historical or otherwise, you'll find ones that are close to you. And if you find ones that are close to you that then you can go and see, you get an appreciation of why Stegner called this America's best idea. We have one of the flip sides of America's sense of its uh, you can call it in, in a negative way, it's sense of superiority or in a positive way, it's sense of uniqueness. One of the benefits, one way or the other, is we really care about the things that have happened here. and We care about the things and we want, to, we want them to be remembered. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't care about all the things necessarily. We tend to care more about the things that elevate rather than the things that maybe are a little more difficult to deal with. Well, we'd like to save face. Well, that's an ongoing, that's an ongoing tension. 
right? And that's and and it's still uh, it will always be an ongoing battle. But the the fact of the matter is, I've been to places around the world that don't have the same type of markings, the same type of emphasis on on taking care of these types of sites. Uh, and that's for a lot of reasons. And it may not be because they don't care. It might just be they aren't available. Right. Right. So this is a big country that we live in. Right. So there's I can tell you from driving across central Wyoming, there's still a lot of land out there. <laughs> that hasn't oh, been. in an airplane. Oh, like, my goodness. You know, look out. I, yeah. So my favorite quote, John Muir quote, um, so my business name, you know, is Stacy Connects. Mm-hmm. So this whole idea of being connected is when one tugs at a single thing in nature, one finds it attached to the rest of the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, to, to add to that, to finish up, you know, President Roosevelt, uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, once said, the movement for the conservation of wildlife and the larger movement for the conservation of all our natural resources are essentially democratic in spirit, purpose, and method. You know, nice. Good quote. So, uh, well, thanks for coming back in uh, to chat about this. It seemed like a nice way to cap off a big trip. I wanted to let you know, I'm excited, and let, to let listeners know, next week I will be sharing uh, who the new sponsor of this show <gasps> is. Yes. That's exciting. Stacey, you will continue to be one, but uh, I have another one who I will talk about next week, and it's going to help facilitate a slight, uh, slight shift in how the show is run. I'll talk about that next week. Uh, it'll be more history oriented a little bit going forward. Nice. Uh, history is one of those things that unites each of us as we, and what that means for all of us. We just kind of talked about it, didn't we? So totally. a little bit more of that kind of thing going forward uh, now on the show. Um, I'm being, I'm going to be embracing my historian hat more and more <laughs> as we go Yay. forward. It's so fascinating. I'm, I know. So I'm excited about that. So uh, come back next week. Uh, uh, to for another episode of this show is all about you, and you'll hear exactly what that's all about. Uh, and in the meantime, I'm your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. I will be next week, too. <laughs> and until then, chins up, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>